0: We're looking again at the letter of 1st Peter, chapter 2 this time. We're getting somewhere. It's grand. 1st Peter, chapter 2. It's been one week since we've had God's word to us about loving each other as a church body. How have you been going this week? Have you been putting that into practice Otherwise, we live in a danger that it just becomes theory to us. So I challenge you, put God's Word into practice every single week, every single day. Don't let a day go by without you looking at God's Word and actually doing what it says. Otherwise, our hearts get hardened to it. We do. We get hardened so quickly. So turn with me, if you would, to God's living Word to us this morning the letter of First Peter, and we're going to just read two verses from chapter one, which link with these verses in chapter two. So go to verses, chapter one, verse twenty-two. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. Now go to chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have indeed tasted the kindness of the Lord. As I've said before, we've had the theory, not the theory, we've had the theology behind what God has been doing in us. And now the Apostle Peter gets to the practical application of that theology. As he looks at practical aspects of our lives and how we are to live holy lives before the Lord. As an illustration of where we're going with this verse today, I want us to think about the condition of malnutrition. Now I'm no doctor and my, do- my dad who is a doctor said don't become a doctor. So I know that I'm not good at that. But, and I know there's also a few doctors in the house today. But here I go, Dr. Junker. Malnutrition. It's a condition which is so dangerous and it affects not just thousands but millions today in the world. What is malnutrition? Malnutrition is a condition that develops when the body doesn't get the right amount of vitamins, minerals and other nutrients it needs to grow properly. And you get two kinds. You either get undernourished or you become overnourished with a specific Or too much of one thing? What are some of the symptoms that we can see? The person is either skinny, as you'll see that that picture on the left there, and that's a, a, a sign of undernourishment. That means they haven't had the specific ingredients they need, the specific nutrients, minerals and vitamins they need. They haven't had enough of them, and so that condition develops in that way. Or you see those typical little pictures on the right there of a bloated stomach. And that is overnutrition. Where they've got too much of one thing, a dietary imbalance occurs. And especially in Africa, they feed them just porridge. And that's about all they get all day is porridge. Morning, noon and night. And so they become bloated looking like that. Other conditions that you find or symptoms rather, the skin becomes pale, thick, becomes dry, and it bruises really easily. Hair becomes very thin, it's tightly curled, and it pulls out very easily. I haven't got malnutrition, by the way. Another symptom is that uh, people's joints start aching, their bones become soft, tender, and break easily. And when it gets advanced, gums start bleeding very easily. The tongue may become swollen or even shriveled and cracked. Think of that. It must be really painful. And then as it advances, visual disturbances occur, night blindness, increasing sensitivity to light. And if it's not stopped, then physical growth may even be stunted and you'll have a lot of people who are small for their age. They become listless. They become weakened due to their immune systems breaking down. So what happens if I don't treat this condition of malnutrition? The body will continue to lose weight. An electrolyte imbalance will start to occur as the body stops working properly. Low body temperature will start to develop and then heart failure will come and, of course, death. And how do we treat this condition? Well, by getting a correct balance of the correct nutrients into that body if we can catch it. At an early stage. That's malnutrition that affects so many thousands and even millions of people. But you know I want to tell you this morning of a worse condition which affects millions upon millions of people. And that is malnutrition of the soul. And I'm not talking about unbelievers here. I'm talking about believers have got this condition called malnutrition of the soul. Here are some of the symptoms and I want you to answer these questions for yourself. Do you have a deep appetite for God's word, the things of God and getting to know Jesus better day by day? In other words, are you taking in the necessary spiritual nutrients? This is a second question. Is your spiritual life skinny this morning? Do you perhaps suffer from a lack of correct and sufficient nutrients of reading God's Word? Or maybe you are spiritually bloated today. You suffer from an imbalanced intake, those pet doctrines that you keep on coming back to all the time, one thing after the other. Or maybe you just read from certain books of the Bible and that's all. You don't read from the Old Testament, you only read from Peter. It's not too bad. But maybe this morning you are spiritually listless and devoid of energy. You don't feel like serving God. You don't feel like reading His words. You are listless. Or maybe you've even become spiritually stunted. When you compare yourself, your spiritual growth to the number of years that you've been a believer, you could have been and should have been much more of a mature believer. You're spiritually stunted. How are you tracking on that spiritual growth chart this morning? Or maybe your immune system is down. Every time you fall under spiritual attack, you fall under that. You fail. Those are all symptoms of spiritual malnutrition. And the question we're going to look at this morning is, are you growing as a believer or are you living a spiritually malnourished life? And before you get too dejected by all those questions, there is hope for you and I this morning, as we've seen in this passage. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, because what Peter describes here is treatment for spiritual malnutrition and prevention of that condition. There may only be three verses in that little passage there today, but I tell you, those three verses are really, really strong medicine this morning for spiritual malnutrition. So let's look at it. You want treatment for this condition. Here are the four steps. Firstly, put away something. Next, long for something else. Then grow up to and drink deeply of. Let's go to those specifics this morning. Firstly, put away. What must we put away? Our text says there, therefore, and please don't glance over that word. And that's why I read verses 22 and 23. That little word, therefore, I'm not going to go to the theref- why it's therefore, okay, I'm not going to say that, but it's therefore a specific reason. In some translations, you might have the little word, if. Now, it links back to verses 22 and 23. What did those verses speak about? They spoke about the imperishable seed, which has been put into us as believers. And now, verse chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now, because you've had this imperishable seed put into you, God's Word itself has been put into you. Now, grow. Do you see the link? Therefore. He says, therefore, put away or putting aside certain things. You see, before we can grow spiritually, there's preparation that work that needs to be done in our souls and to our souls. Those of you are gardeners, if you want to go and plant a seed, you don't just do like me. You just take a seed and kind of fling it at the ground. You need to actually get the ground ready, don't you? You dig it over, you get it ready, and then you plant the seed at a certain depth. That's about as much gardening as I know. But you know, as believers, we need to also prepare the ground as we come to change. We need to, he's saying, the the text here says, putting aside, he's using the continuous tense. There's a continual preparation of our soul that needs to be done so that God can do his work in us. And he says we need to put aside certain things. The word he uses here, the tone is to fling something aside as if it's really unclean. Like imagine someone gave you a coat and and you said, this is a real nice coat and you put it on. And then they said, oh by the way, the person who had this coat had leprosy. What would you do with that coat? You'd go, ugh, you'd get rid of it. That's the tone that he's got here. He says, put aside these things, these sins that are on you. What are these sins? What do I need to put to death? What do I need to get rid of? He then mentions five specific things in the text. Five spiritual hindrances to your growth. What are they? He mentions their malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Let's go and look at those specifically. The Apostle Peter hasn't mentioned them for no reason. He says, put aside all malice. Now that little word is really important too, and I'm not going to go into every single word here today, but the important words, this little word all means. There are no exceptions here. You need to put aside all evil behaviour before the Lord. We call it sin. Because it is a holdover from your old, unregenerate nature that's rearing its head. And it needs to be dealt with if you want to grow spiritually. Jerry Bridges wrote a fantastic but very challenging book called Respectable Sins. You know, we are full of respectable sins. No, I don't tell major lies. Just little white ones every now and then. And you kind of think, because it's a small little lie, it's kind of okay. It's respectable. No. He says we need to get rid of those sins because they are major in God's sight. All sins. All malice. The word malice here is a general word used for all wickedness. All sin that comes into our lives or that is in our lives. And it speaks about a brewing wickedness in us. That's what the intent is in that word. You see, because when you leave the sin in your life, it doesn't just sit there and remain there and do nothing. Sin doesn't do that. That's not the nature of sin. Sin brews inside you. It will grow. It will fester. And that is why we need to get rid of those little sins too in our lives as the Lord deals with us. All malice. He mentions another one, he, and he specifically uses the, the, the word all in front of every single one of these words. He, he says all deceits, the plural form of the word, that's the one I was looking for. He says get rid of all deceits. What does deceit mean? The intent of this word is to catch someone unawares the same word used for to bait up, to catch fish. In other words, putting out a lure there so that you can catch someone. That's what the word deceit means. An example of this word is where Satan, way back in Genesis chapter 3, what did Satan do to Eve? Satan confronted Eve and he used the specific tactic of deceit. How did he do that? He said, did God really say? And so now Eve's thinking, did he really say? Well, no, God told us this. And then Satan goes along and he says, no, God didn't say that. He said, no, you will surely die if you eat that. You won't surely die if you eat that um, fruit. He used this specific trick of deceit. How often don't we... For our own ends. Don't quite tell the full truth. But tell half a truth so that we can kind of get people to believe what we're saying. We are catching them with this lure of deceit. The Apostle says get rid of that. That's a specific sin he mentions. Another one is the sin of hypocrisy. That is counterfeit. To be counterfeit. counterfeit, To be two-faced. He's saying be what you really are. Don't put on a false front. Don't be an actor. You know what this sin looks like? This sin is when you've just had a fight with your wife, right? And then the phone rings. And suddenly you are love personified. Hello. How are you today? And you've just been shouting at your wife. That is being two-faced. He's saying saying, get rid of that sin in your lives. That being two-faced. Here's another one. And I know you're ticking them off in your lives as they as they are there. I know I've been doing the same this week, all right? I've just had a head start on you. Envy. What is this sin? It is those feelings of resentful discontent. When you hear something good has happened to someone and you say, "I wish it had happened to me. Why did it happen to them?" That is envy. The apostle says, "Get rid of it." Because why? It is just pure selfishness, isn't it? In New Zealand, it's called the tall poppy syndrome. And you know, you spell that, that syndrome S-Y-N, but I want to change that spelling because it's S-I-N, syndrome. It's pure sin in us. We can't see other people going ahead. We get envious of them. The Apostle says, in the, in the Christian church, get rid of this sin of envy. Another one is the sin of slander. Which is that, What is that sin? This is a sin... Where you say stuff that runs others down. And it usually happens behind their backs. If you're really brazen, it happens to their face. It's where you deliberately assault someone's character. You know where it really happens in Christian churches? In the prayer meeting. I want to tell you this so that we can pray for this brother or this sister. And so you blurt it all out there. That's just sin. That's just holy gossip. The Apostle says, get rid of all slander. You see why? Because this sin stops you and I from growing. And if you want to look at that up, turn to James chapter 4, verse 11. Look that up in your time. Sin like this stops us from growing. He says, get rid of it. Fling it off you like that leprous coat. Get rid of it out of your lives. How do I fling these things off? There's only one way we can deal with sin in our lives. What is that? That is to bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to bring bring every single one of those sins that we've committed in our lives, every single one of those specific sins that we know is still present in our lives on a day-by-day basis and bring it to the Lord and put it at the foot of the cross and say, Lord Jesus, I've got these sins in my life. I need you to get rid of this in my life. I want to fling it off me because I want to grow in your Word. Because you know what? If we, if we keep those sins in our lives, we cannot grow. Because God is a holy God, as we've seen before. He is a holy God. He cannot bear sin before Him. So is He going to come in and grow you in your life when there's sin in your life? No. He wants you to first deal with that sin. Bring every hindrance to your sin, of your sin, before the Lord, and He will heal you. First Peter 2.24 says it like this. He himself, Christ himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree. Here it is. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We need to die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That's got nothing to do with healing our physical bodies, all right? You see, there is no other way. You cannot help yourself in any other way. No amount of counselling, no amount of self-discipline, no amount of self-help courses will help you to get rid of sin in your life permanently. Yes, those things can help you, but Christ can only take them away from you permanently. Only He can do it. If you depend on all those other things without the Lord Jesus Christ as believers, You're a bit like that monkey who fell into a swamp and then he tried to pull himself out of the swamp using his own whiskers. Doesn't help. You're just pulling against yourself and you're going deeper and deeper into sin. You need to come to the Lord himself. The Apostle Paul said it like this. Romans chapter 7 verses 18. He said, listen to his frustration. And this is an apostle speaking, okay? For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Here it is. For I have the desire to do what is right. I want to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Do you see that? I can't do it by myself. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he comes to that insight. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a solution if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to get rid of sin in your life, come to the Lord, Jesus Christ, and He will take that sin away from you and He will help you to live to righteousness. Bring that malice, that deceit, that hypocrisy, that envy and slander to Him. Leave it at the foot of the cross and then walk away from that and know that Christ will change you. That's the first part. First command we've got is to put aside those sins. The second command we've got here is the exciting one, verse two, like newborn babies. Here's the next command: long for something. All right. There's the next doing bit of this verse, and that is actually the central theme of this whole passage: is to long for. the, the original word here has the, has the intent to crave. Now I've never been pregnant. But understand from ladies you have that when you are pregnant you go through like cravings, alright? And you, you kind of will move heaven and earth to get yogurt or peanut butter and sardines or something. Alright? But cravings. And it's a real deep longing to have something. And that is the intent of this word here. He's saying crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. That's the main imperative or command here. He says, be like newborn infants, says our text. And the word he uses here is, be as born just now infants. Infants who've been born, the blood is still on you, haven't been cleaned properly, you are to have that longing in you for your mother's milk. Why does a newborn baby have that longing in it for milk? Why? Because it's very survival depends on it. If it doesn't have that longing, it w- won't want to take in those nutrients and it won't grow. You see, it's very life depends on that craving. When you and I have been truly born again, the Holy Spirit is working in us. And when He does, we will have in us that inborn longing for spiritual growth. We will want to grow in the Lord, it will not be able to be satisfied by anything else. If you don't have it, there's something wrong. If the Holy Spirit puts that in in us and He gives us that longing, then we need to have it. And if we don't have it, there is something getting in the way. And when you go and look at that, if you're a believer here today, you'll find that there's sin that's crept into your life again. And so go and deal with that sin with the Holy Spirit and then He will give you back that intense yearning and that longing for God's Word. You know this longing that He speaks about? is a little like lambs. If you look around the paddocks now, you'll see all the little lambs all around. Spring is here. But you know, when a farmer looks at a lamb, he looks at it in two ways. Is it drinking or isn't it drinking? Because if he sees that little tail wagging like this and it's suckling at the mother, that means it's real healthy. But if the tail's not going at all and those ears are drooping and it's not suckling, there's something really wrong and the farmer needs to look at that lamb. The same with us. Are our spiritual tails wagging? That's the intent here. You know, the sad fact today is, and this text is written for believers, alright? The sad fact today is that we've learnt as believers to suppress that hunger in us and to stop absorbing God's giving word, life-giving word. And we've started to experience spiritual malnutrition. How have we suppressed that craving? We've learnt to put other things in the place of God's word, haven't we? We've learned to start filling our lives with the things of this world. We are now satisfied with the spiritual junk food of this world. Possessions, ambition, career, relationships, self-gratification, and even religion has come in the place of wanting to fill ourselves with God's Word. You see, we've been drifting away as believers from the only source of our true life, and we are dying spiritually. What is your condition like today before the Lord? Are you spiritually yearning for His Word? Are you spiritually yearning to see that you are growing in Christ? Or are you just happy to go and cruise through life? And it doesn't kind of bother you whether you grow day by day or not. Is that deep yearning in you? If not, deal with sin in your life or come to the Lord and receive life for the first time. You see, we are so quick, even in our churches, to be satisfied with gospel light. Just kind of reading a little bit every day and then kind of forgetting about it and getting on with my life because I've done my bit. No, don't be satisfied with that. Yearn for God's word to be put into you. The apostle describes what you are to yearn for. He says, long for the pure spiritual milk. He gives us milk two descriptions. He says it is pure and it is spiritual. Pure means without deceit milk. It is not adulterated milk. Again, from Africa, if you ever buy milk in Africa, you need to watch out because a lot of times it's watered down by water or if it's got a kind of pink tinge to it, then they put blood in it, alright? And they think it gives it more power. Well, that milk is adulterated. It isn't pure milk. It is not going to do to you what original milk would have done. Because impure milk cannot do what pure milk does. Pure milk feeds us. It's got the nutrients we need. And then he says, we need to have spiritual milk. And this is... Literally translated, the milk of the word. We are to fill ourselves with God's word. We have to memorize God's word. We have to live it. We have to dwell in it. We have to dwell on it. When you're sitting at the doctor's reception, you have to be thinking about God's word, not reading all those glossy magazines. When you're driving your car, put God's word on your MP3 player and listen to it. Let it fill your mind. That's what he's saying. Fill yourself with God's word with a pure spiritual milk. Of the word. The apostle says, you've been given new spiritual life. You've got that living seed in you. Now grow. Put away sin in your life and long for God's word. And then thirdly, why are we to do that? He says, because you need to grow up, verse 3. You see, there's a goal in our feeding. We don't just drink milk so that we, we don't just drink milk because we like milk. Usually you drink milk because you want to grow, that's as a child. And that's why we give our children milk. We want them to grow up, not just because they like the flavour of it. You see, as we read God's word, there's a goal in mind. We are to grow up so that we can become spiritually mature in Christ. But there's a warning here too for us, and I know, I've been here, I know what I'm talking about now. You think, well, I've got to read God's word and so you just start reading God's word, but you're not taking it in. You're just reading it. And you know what, what the danger is there? We start becoming hardened to it. We start read you can read chapters and chapters of God's word, and nothing has gone in. And what's happened is you've become hardened to it. And so God words God's word says that you have to do something and you kinda of gloss over it because you're reading God's Word. You're going through the motions. Here's the warning. Don't become hardened to God's Word. We need to read it so that we grow up to spiritual maturity. And if there isn't growth in us, and we are reading God's Word, and we are trying to apply it, then guess what? You're back to your first formula again. Get rid of sin in your life. There's only those three. There's either sin in your life, or you're growing, or you've become hardened. That's what God's Word is saying to us today. But here's the lesson. If we are drinking milk, we need to grow. And God says, grow in the spiritual milk of the Word. Can we grow on our own? No. He says, and He uses a specific phrase here, you are to be made to grow. You see, we cannot do it on our own. Again, just like we can't get rid of sin on our own, the Holy Spirit has to be making us grow we can't do it on ourselves just through your obedience you cannot grow the holy spirit has to do it in you we are dependent on him that is why in galatians 5:22 it mentions the fruit of the who of the spirit it's not the fruit of you and i it's the fruit of the spirit he gives it to us what is the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness Self-control. You see, when the Holy Spirit causes us to grow, He gives us those things, those qualities into our lives. He replaces those sins of malice, deceit, hypocrisy and slander with characteristics which reflect the character of Christ Himself. The one in whose image we are being molded. As you sit here this morning, are you being molded from inside by the Holy Spirit? Is God's Word shaping your character? Are you feeding on the spiritual milk of God's Word? We have to grow up to what, says the Apostle? There's a goal in our life. We have to grow up to salvation, or in some translations, in your salvation. We are to grow up to full maturity in Christ. Listen to this. This is where we are aiming for, alright? Sometimes it's easier when you know what you're aiming for, you can kind of get there. This is what we're aiming for. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, We shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. Alright, now you know what we're aiming at. But I haven't heard any trumpets. And in the meantime, the Apostle says, We are to grow in the Word. That's how we to get to that moment. You see, at the very definite moment in history and in time, our spiritual growth and our salvation will be complete. And we will be like our Savior. But until then, we need to stick our noses in the Word, open our hearts to God's Spirit, and allow Him to work in us, day by day. Not letting a day go by without spending time here. Fourthly, he says, and lastly, and if you, he says, so that you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, verse 3. In other words, he says, drink deeply. You see, in the last part of verse 3, Peter invites the readers of this letter to some self-examination, and that is you and I too, this morning. He uses that phrase, now that you have tasted. And he doesn't mean if, as if, as in, he's not implying here doubt, whether you're a believer or not. He's saying, you know that you have tasted. Now drink deeply of God's word. Tell me, do you remember that first time when you came to the Lord? Do you remember that intense spiritual fervor you had? You couldn't wait to tell someone that you'd come to the Lord. I even saw it as we were looking at the baptismal candidates coming up. There's an excitement in those people. They can't wait to be baptized and to tell others about what God has been doing in their lives. Do you remember that spiritual fervor in you? Have you tasted of the Lord's goodness, is what the Apostle Peter is saying. If you have, he says, then drink deeply of God's word. That word taste there. That's not as—it's not the same cautious sip that you would taste, that you would use if you're kind of tasting hot soup, all right? Because you might get burnt. He's saying this taste that he's using here. He says it's like you've been walking through a desert and then you come to a pool of cold water. He says, drink deeply from it. Don't sip at God's word. Drink deeply from it. Suck it in to you. Drink until you can drink. No more. And it's not going to happen in this lifetime, let me assure you. You can drink all you want from God's Word because the words that you're drinking in are words of life. Read them. Memorize them. Think on them when you're walking around, when you're with your friends. Don't talk about rugby. Talk about God's Word and what it's been doing in your lives. When you're driving your car, don't just listen to that; those words coming from God's Word. Try and say it with that person. Try and memorize that word. Put on good gospel choruses and good songs and sing the gospel with those people so that it's infiltrating your mind and affecting your life. Store God's word in you so that you may have a pure life before Christ. Now I'm going to speak to all the young people specifically here because the text that I'm going to quote now was written specifically to young people. David understood this, you see, about wanting to take in God's word and to drink deeply from it. Psalm 119 verse 9 says it like this. And you might want to turn in your Bibles to it. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man, and that's a young man and woman, okay? How can a young man keep his way pure? Now look at the doing words here. By guarding it according to your word. How do you keep your life pure? By guarding your life by God's word. Now look what David says. With my whole heart I seek you. There's the same word long for, crave. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word. Where? In my heart. That I might not sin against you. Do you see the two go together? You store God's word in your life and you will not sin against Him. Blessed art you, O Lord, Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. You see, this person is even saying out God's word. He's saying it aloud. He's speaking about it. He's declaring the truth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. What is he going at, this person writing here? What is his goal in life? Is it riches? No, he's saying, I delight in your word as much as all riches. God's word is what he's going for. I will meditate on your precepts. And I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now that is someone who is word absorbed. Are you word absorbed today? Do you want to grow? Peter's reminded us in this passage, when through the Spirit's prompting in you, you see Him working on that sin in your life, then cast off that sin before God, before the Holy Spirit. Cast that sin off like a filthy garment and come in an attitude of repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and ask Him to take it from you and to give you forgiveness, and then drink deeply of his goodness as you read his word and as, as you absorb his word into you. Here's the second thing we've been reminded of don't suppress that hunger for God's word, and don't replace it by junk food, spiritual junk food of this world, because it's only going to lead to spiritual malnutrition. And it's going to, in the end, lead to death. Long for God's Word and fill up on it daily. And then take courage too, the Apostle said. Take courage as we absorb God's Word. He will change you and I and He will bring us to full maturity in Christ. It's all of Him, you see. He takes away our sin, He makes us grow and He brings us to full maturity in Him. And then, lastly, like newborn babies... Let's crave for this pure spiritual milk of God's Word and see the transformation that will come in your life. Drink deeply of God's Word and then taste and see that the Lord is good. And you know, here at Whanganui's Baptist, wouldn't it be great that as we talk to each other, what spills out of us is God's Word and what God has been doing in our lives. Instead of, instead of just the trifles we talk about sometimes. And I'm not saying we need to go and be super spiritual out here and not be real to each other. That's not what I'm saying. But do we discuss with each other, what is the Lord doing in your life? How can you help me? How can I help you to walk this life before the Lord? Do we take God's Word as precious? Are you willing to sit through long sermons like this and to listen to God's Word, and going into the very words of God's Word, instead of getting gospel, life, and a show. Because if that's what you want, I'm in the wrong church. I pray that we will take God's Word seriously. That we will analyze God's Word. That as you read God's Word, you've got a dictionary there. You've got a word study book there. You've got a commentary there so that you can really dig into God's Word and gain those nutrients that your soul needs and is crying out for. Don't push it aside. Because we'll all be walking around here like spiritual skeletons, rattling the place. It's silly. Alright? Let's feed on God's Word. Let's grow up in maturity before Him. And then let's help each other, as we learned last week. Let's help each other in love to walk this walk, which is a difficult walk. Let's hold each other up before Him. Let's pray together. Lord, our Heavenly Father, when we come to Your Word, it is so practical. There's not just theory in Your Word that we kind of apply and hope for the best. But here You've given us such practical guidelines. If we want to grow in You We need to firstly get rid of that sin in our lives. And you are there to help us to do that. And Lord Jesus, you take that sin from us. You separate it it from us. As far as the east is from the west, we will never see it again. But you need us to come to you daily so that we can have that sin taken from us. And once that's out of us, Lord, you then help us to grow. And you put that growth crave into us so that we can't get enough of your word We can't get enough of our relationship with You. We cannot wait to get up in the morning and to spend time with You because it is so exciting to be with our Lord and to speak to Him and to have Your Spirit speaking to us and to give us direction as we start our day in You. Lord, give us that excitement that we once knew when we first got to know You so that it's bubbling out of us what Jesus Christ has done that we can't help but tell those around us. We can't help but speak to those that we come into contact with at work or at school about what you are doing and have done in our lives. It will come out of us. And Lord, without us even opening our mouths, they will just see it in us as you portray that glory of God in us. Lord, may we have an excitement and a yearning for you and for your word so that we will grow up to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do look forward to that day when we are made perfect in you. Lord, come quickly, we pray. We ask this in your precious name.